When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit podcast. Ben Vallis here, or as I go by on Celtics Reddit, Brutal Gash. We've got a full squad today. Jackson's here, aka Rickman Lives. Jackson, how's it going, man? Fantastic, man. We've got actual meaningful basketball to talk about, so I'm stoked. I know, absolutely. It's it's very exciting. And a big welcome back to Joe, aka Dose Groats McFly from over there in beautiful New Zealand. Joe, welcome back, buddy. How's things? It's been a it's been a minute, mate. It's been a minute. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I'm enjoying the hoops. Oh, it's so I, nice. I think <laughs> I think I'd actually forgotten how much I'd missed it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then yeah. the presentation has been like really surprisingly very good. Like it's very easy to just get right back into. Yeah. The bubble's awesome. The bubble's <laughs> sick. I love it. I feel I felt very obviously, I think I said this on a podcast a long time ago, but in New Zealand the bubble experience has been pretty smooth. Mm-hmm. So I had a high degree of confidence that if a bubble was attempted it would be successful. But I don't know that I can say I'm vindicated when you look at what's happened with the soccer. You know, no, but sure. um, yeah, I felt pr- like they do work. <laughs> they really do. Bubbles work. Yeah. We've seen it. It's been proven. Uh, also doing work, the Celtics, who are one and one and two games into their bubble regular season stretch. Earlier today, the 128 to 124 win against the Blazers of Portland. Joe, I'm going to throw you the rock, seeing as it's been a little while since we've had you on. Um, how are you feeling about the Celtics like walking away from this one? And I guess maybe you can add the, the Bucks game in there as well. Um. I'd say not not like not all fired up about our prospects, uh-huh. you know, but not like particularly discouraged either. Um, I I thought, uh, well, my vibe on the Bucks game was a little bit of a shoulder shrug. Like mm. in reality, guys, like they are they are would be expected to beat us in a playoff series, um, and uh, that showed, you know, that showed that they were the better team agreed you know and we'll have to play very well to beat them so it's sort of it's hard to take too much from it um i love marcus smart like just every if we better never get rid of him honestly i actually think (laughs) i'd rather lose tatum i'm i don't even think i'm kidding like he makes me cheerful you know you just get behind the guy you know he's brilliant yeah, absolutely. And like, he's looked incredible. I mean, we talked about it in the chat a couple of days ago, but like, is there a case that can be made for, for Smart to potentially start over Kemba? And then like, since then, Kemba's looked kind of like very good in his own right, like original Kemba there. So like, have your feelings on that changed at all, given how good Kemba's looked, uh, particularly in the game today against Portland? I, I Man, that knee, eh? That is, you probably covered this a bit, you know, already, but like, Man, that's not good. But like, yeah, it's not great. But he he looks good, right? Like Jackson, you would have seen yeah. the game today. Like he's looking pretty good in, in increasingly, you know, extended minutes here. 
Yeah, well, on a minutes restriction, he looks he looks fine and he looks like he he should. And um, look, this is the same guy who I think the start of last season was just like scoring like forty like just consecutive games like back to back to back to back. Granted, that was a while ago. Granted, a lot has happened since then. But I mean, this guy's got the potential to like go off and be a super important you know contributor offensively. Um, to us, particularly if Tatum has another night off, which I don't think will happen very often, but you know it will at some stage. So if he can, you know, if he was playing more minutes in the Bucks game, I think, I think we would have had a better chance. In fact, I think we probably could have maybe even nicked it um, the way he was playing. But um, to answer your question about smart overtaking Kemba, I think that's the long-term plan, surely. I think once Kemba is past his sort of best by date, which, you know, could be well sooner than we think. It could have already passed it. I'm not too sure, but sooner or later i think that's going to be smart's position to uh to, to lose basically and um unless Tremont waters you know turns into you know alan iverson come uh isaiah thomas <laughs> uh it, it's gonna not be anyone else on the celtics so we'd have to trade for someone and i don't think we'd be looking to do that in the point guard position but that's looking ahead so yeah did i answer that sufficiently sorry <laughs> uh sure absolutely i guess the the thing to take away from there is maybe we're spoiled for choice at least currently sure the the knee situation with Kemba is concerning but um, between the two of them Smart and Kemba they they basically formulate the perfect point guard right if you can combine all their abilities um, and so the, the rotation of the two of them um, I don't know it's interesting uh, and it, it's kind of proved useful and Jackson like you mentioned the the Bucks game yes like we should expect to lose against the Bucks and we should expect the Bucks to beat pretty much everyone they are like by record and a lot of other accounts that the best team in the league mm. but you know if it weren't for that 7-2 start if it weren't for Tatum completely shooting the bed and if it weren't for Kemba's limited minutes like we I don't know Joe I, I hope that you're going to bring me back down to, to earth a little bit here but like we were, we were in for a chance there right am, am I wrong? Uh, I mean, <laughs> look, probably not. Like, <laughs> you know, what's the, I feel healthy. like there's a saying. There's a saying that's coming to mind, and I don't know if it's still PC. So, but it's along the lines of, if you know, if my if my uncle was a woman, she'd be my aunt. You know, but. <laughs> I hear. But then again, it's 2020, so so maybe we could have been the Bucks. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I, I just like just briefly on Kimba, like um, look, yeah, in the here and now, like I I think our offense feels like it has a nicer tempo when he's there, mm. um, and it's partly because he's such a threat to shoot off that off that pick and roll. Um, I just feel like it, it just forces action to happen a lot quicker. Like the the the, the the defense has to make more difficult decisions much earlier in the shot clock, I think, than they do with Smart. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty convinced at this point that Kim, if there's an amnesty clause that comes in with the next, with whatever variations they make to the CBA, uh, I reckon they'll, I reckon they'll, they'll use it on Kimba. Wow. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it goes back to maybe emphasize just how happy we all are and perhaps the franchise is with Marcus Smart and that they'd be maybe a little bit more comfortable pulling the, the trigger on on that potential amnesty. Seems weird to say given what we've seen from Kemba over the last couple of games, but um, mm. yeah, I mean, that knee's Kimba's, only going to get worse, yeah, right? Yeah. That, that won't happen in a million years if he's like our MVP for this bubble run, which I'd highly doubt, but, you know, not beyond the realms of possibility. So, um, you know, here's his chance, you know? Here's his chance to say I'm the real deal and I'm, I'm here for the long run. So, and... <laughs> I think savor it, like just yeah. savor yeah. Kimber Walker right now, because this is this may be as effective as he is at any time for the Celtics, and this may be the this may be the peak of Kimber's career. You know, there's a chance that we go on a pretty decent playoff run here, 
So I just enjoy it. And I hope, hope Kimber enjoys it. And look, hey, I can be wrong, you know. Ho- hopefully I am. Hopefully he's a... Hopefully he lives up to his contract, but he's a he was kind of a shaky fourth third contract guy anyway to me. You know he wasn't like a clear cut max guy for his third contract. Um, and there's a chance that we wind up, you know. Um, look, but Horford, man, I really wanted Horford back. I thought, gee, that's a disaster without Horford, and you know, it probably has worked out alright for us, hasn't it? So. <laughs> it would appear so. It would appear so. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I was I was very much enjoying the. I know it's not ideal seating wise for us necessarily, but that Sixers loss yesterday or the day before, <laughs> I just fucking hate the Sixers. So when they lose, I, I'm happy. It's as simple yeah. as that. There's always <laughs> silver lining, no matter what the detrimental effect may be to us. So yeah, no, I'm with you there. I've just been having dirty thoughts about the Raptors, though. I love them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I love the Raptors, man. That's so good. Yeah. It does. It does feel naughty though, because they are this like oh, so very naughty. close rival, at least seating wise. And yet, like, it one one one's mind does wander sort of in an erotic direction when when one thinks about <laughs> the Raptors. Having a torrid nah. affair with Pascal Siakam. <laughs> nah. Jackson, no, I'm, 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 no, no, no. I'm, I can respect them, sure, but now fuck that. You know, they're, they're a direct, they're a direct rival. It's like great pride in stomping all over Kyle Lowry and getting to the East Conference Finals. But yeah, I, I, I'm not super confident that it would go down that way. Um, just getting back to the Bucks game real quick. The only thing I thought I had from that game was <laughs> Jackson's got notes here. He's like, <laughs> hey, great chat, guys. Schedule, but I've got gentlemen. an agenda. Back I've to got page an agenda. Amendum A. Um, <laughs> No, I just think um, the Bucks were either going to blow us out or win like by a bit. We were either just ever going to like nick it like towards the end. I felt like if we can just like position ourselves right at the end, then we would be we have every chance. And I think if Kemba plays, I think he does. So yeah, th- that was that game. But I mean, can, can we talk about the, the game we actually won? <laughs> yeah, we, we've jumped I'll out of the gate here, and yeah. we do have some notes um, to get to. And I want to start with Tatum, who was probably the most satisfying takeaway overall, at least from from my perspective. Walking away from this one, it was just a relief to see him respond that way. User Bubsy Boo on Celtics Reddit writes, uh, Tatum is a superstar. That's how you respond to a bad game. Um, I've wrapped a true or false around that. Guys, do you, do you think Bubsy Boo is onto something here? Is that is that a superstar response from Tatum or is it just a coincidence or is it just um, regression to the mean or what, what do you take from that? Real quick, I think it's overstating to say it is a superstar response, even though that would be indicative of superstar players to mm. bounce back from an, an awful game with a very, very good game. But um, look, um, I think the hair is a big part. We need to really uh, take into account the fact that he uh, he did the Kyrie treatment and just got rid of it and uh, the game returned. But uh, no, getting back to like, is it a superstar move? I think it's indicative of like the form he was in prior to lockdown. So to have a misstep and then to come back to it. Like, it, well, let's see how it goes against the Heat before I, I'd say that's a, that's a proper superstar reply. But um, no, the, the, it was a relief to see him just make a bucket, let alone, you know, 34. So very happy. Um, I think a superstar response would be to drop 35 games in a row because that's what they do every yeah. night. That's what yeah. superstars do. Sure. That, that means that, that means he is a superstar. But one, you know, anyone can have one game. Um just quickly get the edit button ready, <laughs> Ben. Um, but I like this. Uh, I, the haircut's getting a real bad rap, you know. Um, people are saying there's no buckets in them. I like the Orlando aesthetic for Tatum. Um, I felt like it was um, less racially ambiguous, to be honest. I felt like, <laughs> <laughs> I felt like the tan and the fro, uh-huh. you know, it was, it was like... He was committing to I the cause. It gave me constant confidence in the man, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. Is it not more racially ambiguous? It's the curls and, and there's a tan. Like I can, <laughs> no, I, can I was, I was, I was pretty sure the direction he was going. Yeah, it was it was darker. I'm sure of it. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not the expert uh, in the, in that realm in any sense. But um, look, Definitely he got the haircut, <laughs> and we've got we've got the data. Like Kyrie got the cut. He, <laughs> yeah. he got these stats back up. Tatum gets the cut. The stats are right back there. Small sample size, but. I mean, it seems silly, but like it, it continues to work for people one, in Celtics uniforms. So one would add that. Say. Sorry, man. One would add that Jalen Brown got rid of the flat top and replaced it with a more permanently shorter haircut. And uh, mm, look at him now. So I think the hair is something to it, man. I really do. And I'm actually I'm visually running down the list of the rest of our players, particularly guys who who need an improvement. And like their hair's already Can too I, short. They can't can shave off anymore. <laughs> See, what I was getting at with Tatum though is his hair, like him and Daniel Tice could look kind of similar some nights, you know? <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. Do you guys remember when Jay Crowder, when he missed the free throw, and he said, oh, yeah, Slim Shady, and, and when he was being peroxide blonde, and we never saw it again. <laughs> sure. Jay Crowder broke him that game. It was so obvious. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, in all seriousness, though, with Tatum, the, the eight assists, I think, is very impressive. It's actually a career high for Tatum, um, not only finding his shot, but also just like bringing a more holistic, well-rounded game and, and really snapping back to that form. Like, Joe, you're absolutely right. Like, just as he can have one terrible game and everyone piles on him for, for that, he can also just have one flash in a pan good game. So we need to see more consistency there. But, like, it's not like he just chucked a few shots and, and got lucky and they went in. Like, he actually... Like put up a really good stat line and actually had a really good game. And along with Tatum, I'm uh, sorry, along with Brown, who we'll get to in a second, like executed really well down the stretch in that fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was, I was encouraged that he was finding Brown a lot. Like I feel like all of his assists were to Brown. He had a great mm. find when he went baseline, and and Brown was at like the kind of at the kind of at the slot. Um, I think. Um, for me, though, like I was disappointed with his attitude in the Bucks game. Yeah, um, that's not not so much the result, and um, and I was like, oh, that's just that's interesting. That's not like he's just he's young, you know. But that's that's a little indica- indication of maybe his, maybe a slight weakness in his mental makeup. Maturity. He, to me, he clearly pouted mm-hmm. um, when things weren't going his way, and I was like, hmm, interesting. Um, but look, he's he's got a body of work this year. He averaged twenty four points a game. He's a he's a real all star. He's not a he's not an Eastern Conference consolation prize all star. He's a real one. You know, totally. Uh, Jalen Brown. We should get to um, perfect fourth quarter, flawless fourth quarter. Uh, are you seeing anything new or different from JB in in this sort of bubble phase, or is it just more of the same from from what we've seen from him so far this season? See, still seeing a few few free throws at their front of that run. <laughs> yeah, I think that the, the key to them is when they work as a duo. Like uh, what they say, it was we're now fifteen and zero or fourteen and zero when Jalen Brown is more than twenty five <laughs> or scores thirty, perhaps. Can't remember what it is, but Jeff Van Gundy, Jeff Van Gundy had the call. He was yeah. like, "Oh well, let's just stop watching. Let's just yeah. stop playing the game. <laughs> it's over." Well, he ended up being right. It was right. End. We were in front. Yeah, <laughs> it was such a burn of Mike Breen, eh? Like, Dumb stat, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd be interested to see how many of those games where Jalen scored uh, 30 or whatever the stat is, like what, what Tatum had as well. 
uh, if he was playing at all. So um, yeah, I, I think I think the key to them is, is them working as a pair or working as a, as a duo. So you know, Jalen fantastic in the fourth. Um, you know that that the three was was like really the the dagger. And he hit that, and that was from a Tatum assist, I'm pretty sure. So yep. um, I think like the combination there is the, is the key to us uh, going forward. Because I think when those two are like are having the night that they had tonight, like I don't think even with a comeback that we allowed, I think we're going to win like the vast majority of those games. I, I love it when he plays with confidence. I think Jalen Brown's, um, it's he 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 is sort of uh, he is sort of has some, some opposite mental weaknesses. His is sort of like lack of maybe lack of focus or getting tight you know that you can almost see him getting the yips sometimes but i love how brown stays aggressive and when he hit those threes i was you know he he, he was not hesitating to shoot it was great mm. downtown jalen brown i love it it's one of my favorite uh if not often enough used nicknames in the league um but yeah, he he gets that like sort of badass look in his eyes, right? Where and he had especially that that like Jordan fadeaway over Nurkic, which that yeah. was an essential bucket, maybe the most essential we bucket for the Celtics right. in the game. And he just you know it wasn't a swish, but he popped it. It was it was very well done, very athletic, a little McGrady esque. Who I um I know we trained with um in the prior off season a little bit. Very very difficult shot because his his momentum was heading well and truly back towards the floor at that point. He just squeaked it up and over. It was a it was a manufactured shot, as we would say in cricket. <laughs> <laughs> Reverse sweep. Uh, uh, we should get to the third quarter collapse. It wasn't all obviously positives taking away from this one. User dusting off riots in the post game thread. I did not miss the chest pains. Um, I said to you guys in the chat earlier today, my, my very young daughter, she's almost three weeks old, saw a new side of her papa today. A very tense, frustrated one. I was holding her um, while watching part of this game and I think she could feel me like vibrating, shaking with uh, with angst <laughs> through a lot of the third quarter there. She, um, she's going to get used to that, I'm very sure. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, what what happened there in the third quarter? Like how, how did the Celtics give up this lead and, and what did they change to, um, to, to stem the flow, so to speak, in the end there? I, I don't really have a, a, a hot defensive take on like what we did or anything like that. I just think they, they got really hot and that's what was the, the main issue. But like I guess we've seen this before prior to lockdown. We were giving away a lot of big leads and that was a really worrying trend. Like I think, I think that Brooklyn game just really just mentally just nuked everybody um, because we saw it repeat itself, I think, in the Jazz game and definitely in the Oklahoma City game. Uh, we nearly lost the Pacers game, the last game that we won, um, also prior to lockdown. And then we nearly did it again today. So... Yeah, I hope I hope they figure it out. I hope someone else has got an answer. So I don't. Um, listeners, you can't see this, but I'm actually reaching over to my Bible, and um, and I'm just flicking through it and uh, landing on Proverbs chapter 33. Uh, games are won and lost in the third quarter. <laughs> oh, that one. That's the gospel. Preach. <laughs> it's the gospel. Yeah, I mean, we almost we almost did shit this bad in the third quarter. You're absolutely right. Where's <laughs> Where's beware the early lead? Is that Psalm something or other? That's in well, the Old we, Testament. Be, be, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got a new got a new command now. Um, no, but it is true. So, so for me, I, I'm I'm sort of like I'm yeah. I'm, obviously, it's not great to build a 24 point lead then blow it. But if you build a 10-point lead and you blow that, you don't really notice it. Mm-hmm. The, all that's changed is just the order in which people have scored the points. Now, I don't want to... That, that's probably me being a bit more dismissive than I intend to be. Um, 
what happened in the run, as far as I could tell, is firstly, it seemed like we had real problems with Nurkic. And um, so they sort of started getting some reliable offense through Nurkic. And then they start getting some stops. So you get some stops, you get some twos, then you get confidence. And because three-pointers tend to come off, like they tend to come in bunches, right? Like they once they, once a team gets a hot hand, those threes start to go down a little more. And I, I sort of feel like the key to it was, was Nurkic really giving us problems inside. Um, Tatum was on the bench for, a re- I felt like, I remember the, the, the screen cut to him um, and Grant Williams was in. Yeah, but uh, Grant was too small. Nurkic was too big for us. And that, to me, that's what started the run. Mm. And once the run starts, it kind of, you kind of, you just kind of got to go with it, you know, and, and it'll, it'll, it'll stop when it stops. Yeah. Nurkic is the latest big, I think, to look like a prime shack against us. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen, this is like a, a case of repetition at the moment. We've seen it with Steven Adams and, and Aiton as well. And now Nurkic, it seems like, like the team's starting big man or big man at times will dominate us. Is this a manageable problem? Is this something that we're going to be able to handle deep into the postseason, or will it be our demise in the end? Not the amount of whistles that Daniel Tice gets called for. Holy <laughs> yeah. shit! No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I, I think it's almost worth. I think it's almost worth trading him just because. <laughs> like someone else's it's not. It's not his fault. Damn it! We get love your work, a, maybe a it's slightly kinder whistle, like once. <laughs> Fuck! Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. Um. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. I, I think. I think Tice can do a job, but like, he's no match for like your elite big man and like Enos Cantor. No, we've been there before. So I don't know how you manage it. I think Smart's got to really probably just take over. Like how sustainable is that? Um, and just hope we can, you know, yeah, like so, like Joe said, just sustain the run, just go with it and stem the bleeding before it gets too bad and keep that distance if we have it. Well, I mean, you've got to take advantage on the other end. If you're going to be smaller, right, then you presumably, if you've got a, if you've got a disadvantage defensively, then there must be a sort of concomitant um, advantage offensively and um, yeah I don't think it's fatal I think we're a good unit with with Tice mm-hmm. I think it's it's not fatal against normal human beings um, but against the reality benders like Giannis um, like Anthony Davis like LeBron yeah it's still a problem you know it's still a problem having 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 guys that are that are small-ish um, but well, LeBron might not be the best example there, but you know, Davis is going to give us big problems, man. If we mm. if we would ever meet them, yeah, 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 absolutely. Because when we're at our best, and you know, we've got this five out thing going on with with Ty splashing threes as well. Like we kind of negate the the old school big man, the like the Nurkic or the Adams who, who can't really mm. take it outside offensively. But, um, you know, other than the first half against the Blazers today, if we're not consistently hitting from outside, then those bigs remain on the court. They remain relevant on the court and they, and they give us problems. Defensively, you know, we're going under screens and we're dropping back to, to help defensively as that big, you know, drops towards the bucket on a pick and roll or whatever. And then in the third today, unfortunately, that gives guys like Lillard and, uh, and McCollum these, these wide open shots. And it only takes them a couple to get cooking. And all of a sudden, you know, we, we start going over those screens. We start trapping them and they're, they're hitting those shots anyway, except yeah. for the end of the game where for some reason they went for two points instead of going for a three, which is nuts, <laughs> but I digress. Um, so I would have liked to have seen, you know, I mean, I'm going to be a, a keyboard warrior here or a, um, 
uh, armchair warrior here for a second. I would have liked to have seen Brad maybe make that adjustment more quickly and start trapping or going over those screens and, and chasing their guards, Lillard and McCollum, earlier and, and sort of negating their, their hot streaks. Yeah, fair. Mm. Uh, didn't happen. Fortunately, we did make the adjustment. We did tune it up defensively, particularly in the fourth quarter, and really execute strongly on both ends. I think that really is the most promising takeaway from this game is that we did kind of get ourselves into a hole, at least momentum-wise, maybe not score-wise, um, and we did manage to execute under pressure, including our young guys down the stretch there, which for me was the biggest takeaway that we sort of recovered in the end there and everyone pulled together and, and got it done on both ends. So yeah, um, on, on the big man front though, um, let's revisit Cancer very quickly because he he is part of that equation. I think I heard on, on the Bill Simmons pod today, like he referred to Cantor as like the big guy they can bring in defensively. He said those words. I'm, I'm not, that's not verbatim, but he, he sort of, that's how he <laughs> referred to him. Um, what are your thoughts on, on that sentiment? No. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I, I Look, I mean, Bill Simmons has got what? I don't know, just three podcasts a week, two hours. He's got six hours worth yeah, of words to use up. stretched thin. Mm. <laughs> the odd one's going to come out in the wrong order. <laughs> That's fair. Well, we do it on our one hour a week, so I, I totally yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah. That's not correct, though, Bill. <laughs> no. I mean, uh, in terms of his dimensions, he is. Like, he is bigger than Tice. He he is... Rebounding's part of it, you know. Yeah, yeah, and he did that yeah. well. Like, he was, a, he had a good plus-minus. I know a single game plus-minus isn't, like, the be-all and end-all uh, for a lot of people, but, like, he was, on paper, effective today, but also maybe one of the more frustrating yeah. guys in green on the court. That's the thing. Cantor will have those games where you look at the stats sheet and you're like, what the fuck's everyone on about? He's great. And like, it'll happen like more often than not. But then you actually watch him in the games where he's not effective. It's like, it's really noticeable. Like I was, I was on board with Cantor to start with, but like the more I've watched him and the more I've done this podcast, the more I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's just, eh, nah, Hard to I defend. I, I don't trust. Well, ironically. I don't. And also, and also, also I thought it was, I was, I don't want to get too political, but I was like reading about like how he's against Erdogan and stuff. I thought that was really cool. And then I like read about like the guy he actually like supports who's like just as bad almost yeah, so i was like yeah okay it's gonna back away from that one a little bit yeah oh whoa, whoa, whoa. are we gonna go down the wormhole no, of politics and no, NBA? no no i'm moving away from the microphone <laughs> like this joe we need Looking a separate podcast away. for that uh, <laughs> i'm game well <laughs> i know we've only got like 20 minutes say hey? <laughs> i can't I go to- black lives matter thing rid of the role but it was like nah you know. yeah i can't go downstairs to my my wife at newborn child after this and say oh sorry i'm, I'm late i spent an hour talking about turkish politics but uh we, we can do a <laughs> separate podcast sorry i'm sorry it's 3am but we solved it yeah <laughs> we know what has to happen just involves canter just playing a game and yeah I, I was watching him uh quite intently today and when he when he drops back when he's put into a pick and roll he he like he tries to defend both players and ends up defending neither of them None. it's very very frustrating um and i i saw brad get frustrated with him at that point in the game and pull him out of the game despite all the awesome things he was doing on the offensive boards, it's just not worth it. I saw Brad like have that realization today. I saw it in his face, and he pulled him directly out of the game at that at the exact moment. Um, Gordon Hayward, though, moving on. Uh, user Larry DP seven two one eight one says Hayward probably had the quietest twenty two and nine I've seen in a while. I knew he was everywhere tonight, but it never felt forced. He's just so smooth. I said to you guys earlier um, in our chat that he kind of looks like that pre-Spurs handbrake game um, mm. version of Hayward. Would you guys agree with that? Uh, I don't. Um, and it's not that I 
I don't completely disagree, but I just don't fully agree. Mm-hmm. And for me, that what 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 I'm noticing with Hayward is he's just getting stripped an awful lot sure. uh, in traffic. And um, those are when he's getting stripped, it's it's always like it's those it's it's that at the point where he has an advantage, right? Um, and today he got there was Portland made that challenge call. Trent Trent stripped him clean. Mm. Like it's not necessarily that he's playing bad. It's just it just feels like that's the kind of thing. I know when I go back and play, if I haven't played a while, that's the kind of thing that I really struggle to get back is that assertiveness with the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wonder whether there's a bit of that. I just feel like he needs maybe to get a bit more MF in him, you know, and just, yeah. Um, it just, that's, that's, that's my only little caveat with, with Hayward, but yeah. he's shooting it nicely. He's, 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 play, you know, he has a role with us and he's, and he's generally playing it well. It's pretty pretty uh, optimistic that like if that's him like being you know the, the softer, less assertive version, and that's like he walks over the twenty two and nine. Then if he does like kind of get his head on, like not necessarily stat line would improve, but you could just see him being more yeah like effective within the game. So I think that's mega encouraging, you know, because I would I would I never did really noticed it, but like you know just talking about it now, it's like yeah I, I kind of know what you mean. So I would. The thing that I was thinking of that's gonna be it's gonna piss piss us off is like if we are doing really well and he gets the yes. call from his wife to go home to have the baby and we're just without <laughs> him all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, I can't like really blame you for that, but shit. Like it's, it could be it could this could be like, you know, first you had the leg break, the whole comeback, and then the hand break, which is when I was getting momentum again. What if like we're starting to see like Prime Haywood, and then it's like, oh, got the call, off I go, and it's like Game Six of the East Conference Finals. It's like, oh shit, <laughs> yeah. Shami yeah. Ojale is gonna have to step up, or <laughs> someone maybe, uh, yeah, Grant Williams, or someone's gonna have to step up uh, in his absence. But that's the we're on the trajectory for that. Like that, I feel like that's gonna happen. Where we're gonna get a nice little sample size of the the best Hayward we've seen in green. Like finally, he's distanced himself from enough of his you know many injuries. He's myriad of injuries, and he he puts together a good stretch of games. Then and then he rightfully so has to to leave the bubble for a little while and then quarantine on his return. I feel like that's definitely going to happen to us as as fans, and um, <laughs> it's just part of the whole experience. Unfortunately, and it's going to be a, and it's going to be a social media nightmare too because there's going to be so many people telling him he's like unloyal and all this shit, and there's going to be the the pro family people, and it's like both are going to be right for wrong reasons and right for wrong reasons and it's going to be shit. It is uh, cruel, isn't it, though, yeah. that it's that, you know, the better we do and the more important he'll be, the more likely it is that he'll have to be, you know, that'll be out of the bubble for it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Maybe we can yeah. guilt him into a team-friendly contract. Maybe uh, as he continues to to pile up the, the pain uh, for, for all of us <laughs> spectators and for the front office, I would imagine, maybe we can yeah. guilt him into it somehow. He seems like a nice enough guy. Uh, yeah. It may not be that bad though, just to give a slightly optimistic thing. So think about it. So it'll be he'll be out there and he'll be back four day quarantine, right? Yeah. So it's like two games, right? If you think about how the gaps, it might be a one game, mm. like he misses one game, you know, depending True. on how it, how it falls. Um, Orlando to yeah. Indiana is directly up, so it's not that far of a flight either. I don't think. Yeah, he flies so private everywhere, everywhere he goes as well. Like if you follow him or his wife on Instagram, like every second day it looks like they're in a, a private jet going somewhere. So I think yeah. he's got like a pilot on speed dial and he can he can get where he needs to go when he wants to get there. So I gotta nice. look this up right now. Is that your <laughs> he's, life? He's a bowler. He's a literal bowler <laughs> with a sweet mustache <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. Um <laughs> twenty eight million a year. Yeah, I think he could afford a jet for sure. 
Now, I, I was sort of celebrating the end-of-game execution by the Celtics, but there were a few blips, and whether or not you attribute these to the Celtics themselves or the referees, uh, I want to get into, actually. So, first of all, the, the backcourt call uh, Tatum to Hayward, I believe. Um, did you see the comments from the referees after the game, how they, they sort of justified that? How do you feel about that one? No, I didn't see I was ones. infuriated <laughs> by that call. <laughs> Absolutely infuriated mm-hmm. by it, and I've seen I've seen the law, and it does appear <laughs> like I had a cursory reading that they did apply the law correctly. But talk about the law being an, an ass! <laughs> uh, like, th- think about this. Think about it. So basically, they said because the ball crossed the plane right into the front court. Well, that's a that's a pretty subjective determination to make. Yeah. Because it crossed the, into the plane, that if somebody touches it, having not established their own position in the front court pre- previously, then they are then then there's a backcourt violation. But it just doesn't work like that. Like because the equivalent thing was imagine the ball was bound the ball was imagine we were on attack right and someone throws an errant pass, the ball crosses the plane back into the backcourt right. Somebody leaps over, yeah, okay, and flings it back in, right? That's not a backcourt violation, and to me, those are—that's th- th- the other—that's th- the other side of the coin. Mm. Like at nowhere else in the rule book does the ball breaking the plane really mean anything at all. Yeah. If the ball's no. going out of bounds, so why here? The it only, just doesn't make the only any ones, sense. The only ones I can think of would be an inbounds pass. You can't have the ball over the outcourt like for an inbounds and the, the cylinder above the, the rim. They're yep. the only two right. like planes I can think of. But yeah, sure. the backcourt example, if it's going over the backcourt, it's where you take off from. It doesn't mean yeah. shit if you're like, yeah, so I don't, yeah, that's crap. It was definitely a, like a shitty ref call, 100%. Totally. Uh, so the justification from the ref, I haven't got the, the quote in front of me, but essentially that it was the in, there was intent in the passing and because it was an intentional pass, uh, for whatever reason, the, the, the plane crossing element comes into play there as opposed to there's no controller possession. Someone dives back over the backcourt line to, to you know hoist it back over the head or whatever. Um, the, the rule doesn't apply there apparently. But to me, it I, just feels like they're kind of making this shit up as they go along, which is very I, frustrating. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> 100% this what 100% they don't know that rule no like no one would ever assume that rules the case so cuz what they're saying is if the ball hadn't hadn't, hadn't crossed the plane let's say the exact same thing happens and Hayward jumps he catches it in the air and his and his foot goes down right and so he jumps from the backcourt catches it in the air and his foot goes down but the ball somehow stays behind it then it's not a backcourt violation that that makes no sense at all. That, that that's an absurdity. I could see it being enforced against someone like you know, like a Durant or a, or a Giannis who's like really long. Like, what if their arm was in a position where it was over the plane, threw it back, <laughs> but was caught in the same position? Like, I'm not trying to hate on Giannis and stuff, but I mean, we we saw firsthand like like some of the calls that the favorable, like you know, the top five of the MVP put put do that in a situation with them running the play, and I'd like to see how many of them get called for a backcourt. Just saying, absolutely. Just, just saying. Yeah, totally. User King of Pants on the post-game thread wrote, I think it's more of a dodgy rule than a dodgy ref. The, the rule is unnecessarily convoluted, which I, I, mm. I agree with. Like, probably Joe, fair. you you know, reading from the Bible before. Obviously, we don't take everything from the Bible literally. <laughs> the the same needs to apply here. <laughs> um, Brad Stevens had a nine-man rotation today. I'm just going to bring up the box score to read the lesser obvious name. So the obvious players, we talked about the starters and, and Marcus Smart and Cantor. Uh, and then you've got Shemi, Grant Williams, Brad Wanamaker, 
Um, I feel like we should touch on on sort of the lesser used Celtics a little bit. Are you are you happy with this nine man rotation? Um, do you think someone shouldn't have played? Do you think someone should have played that didn't? How do you, how do you feel about this overall? I want more Grant Williams. I feel like he's better with more minutes. Totally. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. Limited to Can- seven minutes today. Yeah. I think Cantor gets the axe when it starts to get real and you see the minutes distributed a little bit more hep- um, evenly amongst the um, yeah the bench guys. Yeah, totally. And like Kemba with 22 minutes, he didn't quite hit that 23-minute cap today, but his minutes are going to go up you know, towards the 35 mark once we get into the playoffs. And um, hopefully you'd see that detract from uh, from Enos Kanter, even though they play completely different positions. <laughs> um, Brad Wanabaker, I we talked about him on the last podcast quite a bit uh zero for zero from the from the floor in almost 10 minutes that's i like that brad wanamaker just like play <laughs> play point guard you know bring the ball up distribute get out of the way and he did that very very well and i was very happy with wanamaker um, as a result today can't miss the shots you don't take <laughs> that's right yeah. <laughs> uh, and just to close out the, the game recap, user Elite Speak wrote on the post game thread: "The Celtics win, but the war against Tice continues. Uh, fuck the refs." Uh, so on that, it, I, we didn't quite get to this questionable call, but there was another yeah, well, quite terrible let's call. To, uh, yeah. Let's get back to the rage on Tice. Yeah. <laughs> um, we talked about the war on Tice. Like, is it is it real, or are we just sensitive uh, as C's fans? And I, I didn't actually see this call. I wasn't watching the game at that, that moment that it happened for whatever reason, probably because of my very young child. Um, can, can you walk me through that? Like what, what exactly happened there and why was it so controversial? Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart tipped the pass. The pass goes in the air. Both Hayward, uh, both both um, Tice and Nurkic jump, arms out, extended out into the air to try and get the ball. Um, Tice actually winds up, with the, winds up with the ball and gets knocked to the ground and they call the foul on him. And it was just one of those ones where the refs made a crap call and... You can always justify a foul call one way or the other, you know? Like, you can always find some reason. But in general, yeah, it's totally bogus. Tice is at the center of so many bad calls, um, particularly defensively when he's backpedaling and, his, and he's got his arms pointed to the ceiling and a guy drives into his chest and they'll call a foul on him. Like, that's that's not a foul. It's just not. You, you, you know, you're entitled to that position as a defender. So, um, yeah. I, I think it is real. I think he gets a very bad whistle. Yeah, I, th- I think we're definitely hypersensitive to it because by 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 default we watch all of his games. <laughs> sure. Um, there might be another. There might be a class of player out there that gets the same kind of just unfavorable whistle. But like, I th- I would bet like a, a significant stake of money if there was some way to prove it was objectively you know you know provable in like a court of law. Yeah, he definitely gets a, he definitely gets a shit whistle. Like just just the you know countless exhibits from you know throughout the season. We had a couple of great examples in the game against the box, and we had another couple again today. So like. I mean, if we see a couple of games where he doesn't get a whistle, then I might back off a little bit. But yeah, you, I can. I know there's going to be at least one really shit one against Miami. I don't know how or why or what's going to happen, but I just know there's going to be another one. And we're just going to be like, ah, there it is again. Mm. Not even shocked. So I don't know. Yeah, brace yourself, yeah. Celtics Nation. It's coming. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's going to continue to to thrive at least until um, I don't know. He's 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 better recognized among more casual NBA fans and, and the rest. Maybe he needs a more. Maybe he needs a more noticeable haircut or something. He needs to go back to the Maybe shady peroxide back. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he just a quick note on Tyus. He's he's got such good hands. Like uh, I just he he catches these what look like really difficult dump off passes from 
at point guards, Smart and Kemba under the hoop where like it just looks like either Smart or Kemba are going to get completely swallowed up by the defense on what, what looks like it's going to be a layup attempt. And then like this, almost like a, a last minute pass in like rugby league or whatever, where they like they ditch the ball right before they get tackled. Same thing seems to happen with, with Smart and Kemba. And, and Tice is so ready to receive those passes. And I just feel like that's such a skill that maybe isn't <laughs> super common among big men in the NBA. So really, really impressive. Sensational. <laughs> sensational hands, Daniel Tice. <laughs> I love it. I love it. For sure. Um, just very quickly before we go, the, the Grizzlies, they lost again today. Um, and they play the Pelicans, I think, tomorrow or the next day. And then they only play good teams for the remainder of the season. Um, which bodes very, very well for our potentially getting a higher lottery pick there. Just wanted to bring that up um, to yeah. end the, the podcast. I believe in the Spurs. I believe in the Spurs. They'll make it somehow. <laughs> I believe in the Blazers, I have to say. Yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I actually good. do. I do. And I was actually not going to be so upset if we'd lost today. Although by the time we got to the end and those bad calls were happening yeah. against Tice, I was hard <laughs> from That's it. right. Big picture though. Big picture though, I was happy to see the Blazers go ahead. I think they're good. All right, that's going to do it for this one. We will be back sometime within the next week to discuss the upcoming games against the Heat and the Nets. And of course, we've got the Raptors on the weekend. It's uh, Saturday Aussie time. Um, In the meantime, if you're enjoying the show, go slap a five-star rating, a subscribe, even a review on the podcast. That'd be very much appreciated. Jackson and Joe, love your work, guys. Talk to you soon. Cheers, boys. Cheers, guys. Until next time, go Celtics. Peace. Hiking in the sun, the happiness that you mourn. You know the kids still dance, so we supply all the songs. If I'm wrong, you hit the Superman like Soldier at War. You could-